0: Hi, this is the Marketing Connect podcast. 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 A show where we get up close and personal with some of the most celebrated marketeers in the country. We talk to them and discover the art and science of marketing. After all, we are a show for marketeers by marketeers. Listen in. On this episode, we have Jasleen from Benetton. She talks to us about what it takes to market to this ever-evolving, ever-changing and ever-so-mysterious youth of today. Listen in. Today, I have a really, really interesting guest with me on the podcast. So, I have named with me. And apart from the fact that uh, Jasleen and I went to the same college, what is also interesting is that both of us have a hobby of writing as well. So, while I write people who get murdered, crime fiction, and other things, Jasleen writes something com- completely d- different. Uh, Jasleen, do you want to talk about what you write?
1: Hi Saurabh, first of all, thank you so much for having me and uh, yes, I am from MDI, the same college as Saurabh is from and uh, I, I actually love to write poetry. Uh, I do write short stories, I've started writing a novel but one book that I already have out is around poetry and that's called Ginger and Honey.
0: So what we're going to do is, uh, just lean, we will drop the link of the book in the show notes okay. so in case people want to buy, they can do that uh-huh. and the royalty is mine, whoever
1: buys it, I have to
0: So, tell me about the novel. That's interesting. I didn't know that you were writing a novel. What are you doing?
1: So, I'm actually writing the sci-fi novel, but it's got a philosophical angle to it. It's about the situation where one individual faces a crisis on the earth and how that individual kind of up with it. So yeah, it's a very American sci-fi kind of an novel, but it's got a really deep and philosophical take on it.
0: I think I think whatever little I've interacted with you, you have been amongst the most philosophical people I know.
1: Okay, so um, I think it's just that, and, and those are very impressionable days and that's a very impressionable age that you have. So I think uh, getting exposed to a lot of psychology and philosophy that time really built it in me. So over the years, it's just grown.
0: So funny thing, uh, I am training to be a script writer for screens for TV and films. And a couple of days back I attended a class on uh, psychology 101 so so the gentleman took us through uh, you know the entire school of psychology that Freud Freud I don't know how to pronounce his name Freud. uh has spoke about so that is interesting so tell me uh, let's talk about your uh, career right like talk to us about from the first job onwards till where you are right now like what all you do um
1: so I have through and through been in marketing I feel it's a little limiting but yes that's way the career has spanned out for me so I started with a publishing house where um, I was in the sales and communication department. I was just there for a year and I kind of uh, tasted the tea and realized, okay, dude, sales is not for me. So I have to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I My second job was in Canon. I spent about uh, a little more than four years in Canon, did two different departments, uh, extensively managed the advertising, BTL and public relations. And then I have come on to Benetton, United Colors of Benetton, where um, mm-hmm. I have already crossed the five-year mark. Uh, been a very wow. very interesting stint with Benetton learned a lot here did a lot here contributed a lot here and uh, mm-hmm. the fashion landscape's ever changing so you know it's never the same year the next year that mm-hmm. you work on so yeah and, and it's been very dynamic uh, most of the early trends uh, I feel come in retail come in fashion so to say so yeah I've also been an adopter of the early trends in the market mm-hmm. I feel great about it yeah
0: tell me what is a typical day like for a marketeer at a fashion brand that
1: is moving super fast um, uh, see I will kind of Uh, start from very basic Uh, we try Mm -hmm. we mostly try to club fashion in one umbrella but that's not really the case when you try to talk about fashion there is a big Uh, demarcation between a fast fashion brand between a mass brand between a mass premium brand between a bridge to luxury brand between a luxury brand so there are these uh, very uh, strong uh, arenas where each brand operates and it's and trust me every brand has a different ball game altogether so for a fast fashion brand for example you know their priorities might not be so much to um, you know highlight an advertising campaign as much it would be to do an influencer marketing campaign Uh, it pretty Mm -hmm. much depends on where you are if I really talk about my particular day I think about uh, 50 to 60 percent of my day is with with meetings with vendor meetings with agency meetings because there is a lot in the fashion industry that you have to outsource Um, so Mm -hmm. right from your social agencies to your public relation agencies to also there is this huge uh, space that fashion has entered which is strategic alliances Uh, so you know you Mm -hmm. kind of try to Uh, find brands that have the same DNA as you and you want to create associative imagery. And then there's a lot that's happening on digital front, uh, whether it is Mm -hmm. digital marketing or uh, it is digital conversions of customers or uh, an online to an offline, getting people to the brick and mortar stores. So I think a big chunk Mm -hmm. goes into uh, doing all of these meetings and staying updated with what is happening in the market. And Mm -hmm. I think one uh, other big chunk of your day really goes into getting all internal updates. You know uh, what is the progress on the next collection what is happening on the next to next collection ideation because fashion industry really works way in advance uh, on the internal front and uh, then comes your market research here comes your market visits, team alignment you basically uh, see what's happening out there in the market not just on Instagram but you go out and see what stores are what what is competition really talking like So any particular day is like a mix of all of these things. And you still find time to write
0: poetry and <laughs> I that,
1: that's all of that is post office hours when I really have to like relax um, that's mostly that time there is no scope of any poetry whatsoever <laughs> when I'm doing work apart from probably writing
0: stinkers to people who haven't given in <laughs> whatever
1: or they've missed their deadline yes Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm
0: sure you must be on the receiving end of stinkers as well uh- so at office or even at home for
1: example mm-hmm. let's
0: say you're struggling with a huge marketing Problem that you can't seem to find a solution
1: to. Mm-hmm. So, who
0: do you reach out to for help?
1: So, you know, sometimes when you are heading a department, there are pros and cons of it. Um, sometimes getting an immediate help can be a task because what happens is when you are heading a particular region, a local region, you pretty much have to figure out things. Uh, and and I kind of have realized one thing that whenever I've been stuck uh, and I'm a little mm-hmm. old school when I say that, uh, what has really helped mm-hmm. me is going to academia. Um, you know, okay. uh, probably looking up for some case studies, uh, looking up mm-hmm. for uh, culture notes. So I am a really big fan of culture notes. I don't know how many marketers mm-hmm. really use that, but uh, I, I feel as a marketing person and, and definitely I am of the opinion that marketing is not a science. It's an art. So you need to... Uh, mm-hmm. you need to understand people because ultimately your consumer is is the artist or is 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 really the is her, sorry not the artist is at the receiving end of the art so understanding mm-hmm. how the millennial population talks walks what their culture is what their likes are i've mostly seen that those are where the answers lie you know any question that yeah. you have on marketing just resort to the mm-hmm. culture and you'll you'll get the answer got
0: it so this brings me from here so one is uh, assume that I am first year student at MDI and you go back to college and you are supposed to uh, introduce this entire idea of culture new to them in like two minutes five minutes Talk to me about that. That is question number one. And question number two that uh, you know even to even to uh, experience uh, consumers you must be you must be finding them somewhere right. I mean do you go to markets to observe them? Do you stand in your stores? do you have younger cousins who who consume your products so what is your uh, you know sample set and how do you build that sample set of of consumers
1: okay very technical questions so i'll go to your first question first uh, and mm-hmm. I'll take you back almost one or two decades to answer that question uh, do you know we mm-hmm. eat cheese like you know we eat the processed cheese the amul cheese or the mother dairy cheese um, yeah, yeah. you know it, when it was introduced in the market it was a big failure mm-hmm. in Indian market because okay. people didn't know how to eat it you know okay so if you mm-hmm. go back and see some of the early cheese campaigns those campaigns mm-hmm. were talking about how you can top it up on your parantha, how you can top it up on your bread and you really make a bread sandwich with cheese mm-hmm. see it sounds so simple but the answer really was in the culture there is a certain way mm. Indians have breakfast and you want to mm. introduce cheese to them so you need to find mm. that one meal where you can very easily fit in cheese ki utility you know so so very interestingly um, I I kind of feel that's a great great culture example and this is not Mm -hmm. this uh, with cheese you know it's also um, uh, when you try and talk about like most of the utility uh, campaigns are around culture Mm -hmm. you talk about wheat Mm -hmm. as a product you know you talk about women Mm -hmm. having to go to salon to get their hair removed so they try and tell how you don't have time and how this is not going to hurt you and whatever whatever so they really take a peek inside what is the culture of a person what do they really do what their routine is like what do they like what do they not, not like so I, I think culture is a very broad term for all of that that's the first part of your question second part of your question is very very difficult to answer on a podcast you if i am able to answer this i am up for an award. Let, let me make
0: it simple for you so so tell me uh so don't give me scientific numbers in terms of x logo ka apka panel hai yeah but but if i want to learn let's say for example health space And I want to create a new brand of health products, for example. I'm just throwing an example. Mm -hmm. Now I want to observe. Dunya may health One way is that I commission a research agency and give them those questionnaires and hypotheses and they will validate and come back with insights. Second is I can just sit at a you know a gym, for example, and observe them. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so that is a good starting point for me. I can go to a McDonald's and observe, you know, key low fast food cas consumed, for
1: example. So
0: in your case, mein, how do you keep a track on those those kinds of people?
1: I, I feel that you know when you talk about a market research you we, we we have to understand and we have to be very sure of this fact that we are talking about large numbers we are not talking about a niche segment or what is happening happening in one local area because I'll tell you, uh, there are certain markets, there are certain smaller pockets in a particular big market, which will mm-hmm. always show deviation, that will have exceptional effects yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. so I think uh, basing your big decisions on just observations of one or two or three people is never a great idea, because mm-hmm. uh, we all tend to generalize you know, I would know mm-hmm. someone who loves a certain kind of a body cream, but just that one person mm-hmm. loving the body cream doesn't make me infer that that body cream is the best so I will be old school when I answer this question that market research agencies are a big big winner here uh, the kind mm-hmm. of reach they have the kind of um, moderation they can do on the content is a big value add because they mm-hmm. talk about cities they talk about a certain demographic they try to keep your error rate slow so yes if you're genuinely thinking of investments their money's involved their decisions involved you have to talk to mm-hmm. a company nonetheless i am not going to deny the fact that some of the greatest startup ideas in the world have come from one pe- one person's observation you know one mm-hmm. mark zuckerberg thought there was no social network you know that yeah, was one yeah. man's observation and that worked out right but i i feel in a corporate uh where you're working for a brand and you have to base uh, your decisions i think a one person's observation if it's very strong enough should be corroborated with the market research but putting all uh, bets on just observation to me doesn't sound like a great idea until and unless it's very intuitive and it's like right out there on your face
0: got this so easy question for you tell me when they finally said ki pizza ki upar pineapple dalna so was it an individual or was it a research agency
1: Um, you know they (laughs) there there are points uh, sort of where uh, sometimes people who have been at the helm of things have taken very strong decisions you know if I uh, talk Mm -hmm. about uh, Starbucks uh, a man uh, Schwartz you know he's taken some of the biggest decisions himself if I talk about Dunkin Donuts there would be this Mm -hmm. one man and he will say listen I want to get rid of Donuts, for example, there was a time and Dunkin' Donuts sort of it. So yeah. all I'm saying is that yes, sometimes decisions would come from one man uh, taking mm-hmm. the things in their control. But you know those those people are at the helm of things. You know either yeah. they're the founders, the co-founders, or people who've had various years of experience and, you know, they know the industry in and out. Those kind of people are, are gurus, are Byrons. So when you talk mm-hmm. about that one man, it's probably equivalent to a million research uh, researchers. But also putting pizza, uh, putting pineapple on the pizza is again a very traditional culture. If you go back to uh, some of the continental cuisines, that combination has existed ever since. It is just that they have mm-hmm. taken one proven concept of pineapple and another proven concept of pizza and got it, man. So yes, that is some strategy that they've put. I think probably it's just going to be some great chef's idea. I'm not sure it's a market research yes,
0: lean, So I know you, right? I mean, I know you apart from this podcast as well. So, and, and you are a fairly vocal advocate of, uh, you know, mental health and stuff. So do you want to talk to our young marketeers and tell them that, you know, what is your opinion on that?
1: Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. You know, uh, there is one example that I keep quoting to everyone. And this one example I heard in my master's class when i was doing uh psychology uh, i was doing masters in english and there was a psychology class and this psychology mm-hmm. professor said one thing you know mm-hmm. he was giving us a situation and he told us how one tenant uh, committed suicide and he said okay. that tenant committed suicide because he had fight with the landlord in the morning mm-hmm. but the reason that he committed suicide is not that he had the fight with the landlord in the morning The reasons are underlying reasons, but that fight Mm -hmm. in the morning became a trigger for him to take his life. So I just feel that, you know, there is so much that goes out on the social media where everybody says that be kind, be kind. And I can't say it enough how important it is to be, be to be kind to everyone, because at that time, what they're thinking in their mind could be anything. And probably mm-hmm. one instigative or one trigger word from you can really upset things. So I think we just have to be very, very careful with our words. And it's then not just words. I see cyberbullying is on an all-time high. I mean, I don't know, but why do people have problems with the way anybody else is living their lives? So I think we need to stop judging. We need to be a little easy on us, on other people. And we really need to be kind with our words.
0: So, justly, like the next question is: uh, So, tell me the information that you that you seek out on a daily basis. Like, you know, what are your sources? What newspapers do you read? What blogs do you access? You said that you listen to a lot of podcasts. So, just give me like a few uh, things that you like consume actively.
1: Um. See, my day really starts with Google News. That is something I just can't live without. I, I and I, I I would really want to say this that I have not subscribed to a physical paper, physical newspaper in my home. Um, So I have to rely a lot on the digital news. So for my world news for my India news, I think Google News is definitely one thing that I definitely like to read. And I love Mm -hmm. to read the uh, New York Times opinion section Mm -hmm. Um, that's also because it uh, you know like I say that for me understanding culture is very important because culture is that precursor of giving you the trends that are going to come to the market so uh, Mm -hmm. New York opinion it has some fabulous writers and their content is very top notch so that's one um, that I subscribe to Um, I also Mm -hmm. love to um, hear a few of these podcasts like there's this podcast called Rabbit Hole that's again by New York Uh, there's a podcast called Business Wars oh my god that's like an addictive podcast so they pick up two mm-hmm. um, giant companies and they do this entire analysis on what really uh, how the war uh, and the duel between those two brands started and how the right. brands were doing so I listened to that then there is uh, a BBC podcast which is a global news update uh, there is a mm-hmm. podcast called Fact versus Fiction uh, which is by Dr. Sandhya mm-hmm. Gupta that's again I mean I'm hearing it a lot during the coronavirus times and mm-hmm. uh, last but not the least Instagram is a big source of news for me especially uh, Uh, Yeah, especially in the fashion domain because I've kind Uh, of very nicely followed the accounts which are like the voices in fashion. So, Mm -hmm. you know, these are editors, these are stylists, these are some of the very big designers. So when they put up their work or they put up like where they're traveling or what they're doing, it gives you a sense of where the world is moving in the fashion industry. I think that Mm -hmm. for me is like my knowledge bank.
0: Got this. So, Jocelyn, a tough question. Uh, Imagine you were told that you will have to move out of Benetton for whatever reasons, personal, professional, whatever. And you have to find a replacement for yourself. Could be that person to have that replaces you
1: considering it's a it's a huge hypothetical question <laughs> answer it i think uh, you know at my role i feel creativity is something that that is non negotiable because because the way i think uh, benetton is structured in india we are independent when it comes to our social media you know we have to uh, curate our content ourselves we have to do our campaigns ourselves and literally every bit of content that goes out is thought in house so i think mm-hmm. uh, creativity would be non negotiable to begin with mm-hmm. i'm kind of taking it um uh, taking it as a rider that rest of the skills in anyone who is going to be a marketer uh, would be there but, but i think again i would i can't stress it enough that creativity is something that that has to be on a top notch and a high game
0: so uh, you just touched upon the fact that uh, at Belton India, you do most of the things in-house. So that is a question that a lot of people wanted us to ask you that, you know, if you manage an international brand in India, I mean, obviously we have one of your, I mean, you are an example, but there are tons of other brands in India that are international in their, uh, you know, origin. So how does it work with their, uh, uh, let's say the, the international brand teams and the local nuances in terms of, you know, how do you, how do you marry the two? Uh, what is it at Berend now how do you do it at
1: Bennett? okay so i uh, i think first to begin with uh, i know a lot of friends who work in a similar setup where they're working for a local um, a region and you know they have an international mm-hmm. team see it's very very subjective to how the team re- how the brand really wants to position in each region mm-hmm. because i also know of certain brands that have zero interference policy so if they give you a marketing deck you are blindly supposed to just replicate it because they're very very concerned about the global Imagery, but if you really talk about Benetton, um, and in the past few years, Benetton has created a, a local dialogue with customers. So we run a United by series, and in that mm-hmm. United by series, we really try to address topics that are India related, that are not global. The essence of everything that we do relies uh, lies in the global heritage. So you know, we always mm-hmm. talk about society, social, which has been the branding. But yeah, mm-hmm. again, I think I think there there can't be like one answer to this question because each brand is very, very unique in how they want to position it. But yeah, for Benetton, since last about five years, we've started doing a lot of local content.
0: Cool. So, let's talk of uh, the hottest thing that is around us right now. Coronavirus, COVID. What do you think the consumer would change as an impact of COVID? And B, how do you think the business of communication will change as an impact?
1: I see the business, uh, the way we were headed towards digital uh, adoption, I Mm -hmm. think we, we are heading in the same direction. It's just that we've leapfrogged decades maybe what had to happen Mm -hmm. a decade from now has started happening because people are locked down and the only way that you can be connected is digitally Mm -hmm. brands who had a contribution of a certain percentage x and y split between digital and traditional of course uh, for the time being traditional has been dominant over the rest of the traditional media uh, which Mm -hmm. I feel uh, eventually will equate out it's just a very sudden change till the time the vaccine doesn't come up or till the time sentiment is not leveled up but communication Mm -hmm overall i feel you know this has been a big reset and a reboot in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and uh, people have started questioning a lot of brands existence their responsibility because the whole sustainability angle attached with covid has been has has been everywhere you know people are talking about pollution people are talking about climate change people are talking about sustainability people are talking about responsible brands so i think in future the brands who have probably not paid attention to the social and the humanitarian aspect of their brand's purpose are are going to uh, have a run for their money uh, brands mm-hmm. are going to become more responsible when they communicate they're going to become kinder when they communicate at least that's going mm-hmm. to change their eye for seeing the new
0: future and, and tell me while while we are at this tell me uh, some interesting uh campaigns that you've seen from other brands they may or may not be competitors but, mm-hmm. but what have you seen on the internet that you know some of the brands that have done interesting work around uh, COVID um,
1: see I kind of feel that, uh, uh, that there is not immediately anything that comes to my mind because I feel there has actually been an effort by a lot of brands to do a lot of things so there is this brand called so yeah. Delivery so what Delivery did was they uh, I chanced upon this form login form where if you enter your details uh. Mm-hmm. You name your address and whatever they send you a care package yeah okay and uh i remember i I and my my husband and i were sitting and we just filled it up randomly okay because we're both Mm -hmm. from the same industry and a lot curious about brands and a few days later we received a package Mm -hmm. and that had a bottle of sanitizer it had a few masks and it had a pair of gloves and nice. I was zapped and surprised mm-hmm. and, and they did it free of cost uh, they basically Obviously. were trying to help people who did because you know if you remember the start of COVID in India just when the lockdown was announced every drug shop every chemist shop had run out of these uh, stuff so people were finding it very difficult to get their hands on sanitizer and mask and I, and I think yeah, a, I yeah and I think a brand logistical brand which is not even a B2C brand like delivery primarily operates in a B2B sphere but for them to do something unpaid for uh for people who are in need i i thought I was a great gesture
0: funny thing now i'm thinking about it uh i don't think delivery has anything to sell to you right if it was done by say uh, a exactly. mcdonald's
1: exactly that's yeah. what i said yeah. they don't work they don't operate in a b2c setup they operate yeah. in a yeah. b2b setup yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. i think that was that was a great uh great move by them
0: mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's interesting. Nobody else has told me. And so, this was only in Delhi, Gurgaon? Or it was a pan you would not
1: know. I am not too sure about it. But, uh, I mean, I, I, it's safe to assume that uh, it was in Delhi NCR. I, I at least it was
0: there. It
1: was at least in Delhi NCR. At least in Delhi NCR, yeah.
0: <laughs> Good so okay tell me what opportunities do you see getting created as an aftermath like if I told you you know a- aap open a business you want to be an entrepreneur so what opportunities do you see have opening up around us um,
1: see I do feel that people have taken a lot of interest in their health in mm-hmm. the last uh, two months uh, people mm-hmm. have started talking about topics like nutrition like I am I, I, mm-hmm. a nutrition freak I have this okay. uh, huge do's and don'ts list that I have given out mm-hmm. to my family they're not supposed to (laughs) drink water after the meal and i kind of feel that um, you know those are not baseless some of those things are very very scientific it's just that people Mm -hmm. don't really know the science behind it so Mm -hmm. i i I feel that um in india specifically we do not have a lot of nutrition schools we do not have a lot of uh, focus on nutrition which i feel would eventually come around because see at the end of the day they say that COVID, getting COVID, recovering from COVID is an immunity game. You don't have medicines, you mm-hmm. don't have a vaccine. Yeah. So, yeah. people have to invest in immunity and there are ways you can invest in immunity. The first way is that you change your lifestyle and eat good food. And a lot of people mm-hmm. don't even know about the basic macros and micros that you're getting in the food. So, I feel nutrition as a space is is really good. You know,
0: young, fluent phenomena or will it change the consumer behavior from the ground
1: See, uh, I, I can tell you for a fact that people in the rural segment eat more nutritious food than people in the urban segment because yeah. people yeah. in the rural segment are not going to binge on your uh, chips and pizzas and they would eventually just eat dal roti rice which is way more healthy than what urban people eat and i also feel that the whole um, uh, because see why why do you need, need knowledge you basically mm-hmm. need knowledge when you have a choice and choice mm-hmm. only exists in the urban phenomena like a rural person doesn't have a choice that I fast food or should I eat a healthy food homemade food, he has to eat right. the choice is right. in the urban guy in the urban guy has to decide do I need to go to a McDonald's or do I need to go to a Pizza Hut or should I mm-hmm. eat a khichdi at my home so I think that's okay. where the opportunity
0: uh, people are going to go get to work from home, what are those 3 four interesting things that you are doing to ensure that the team is still as closely bound as it would be if they were in an office, what are those interesting uh, technology and tools that you're using to do that?
1: I am not someone who has done virtual coffee dates with my team at all. You know, I kind okay. of feel that that's a compulsion, right? We all are doing mm. uh, dishes, we are vacuuming our home, <laughs> we are making food. Mm-hmm. I think I think my team is, I mean, my team and I, we are enough bonded to mm-hmm. survive this. And I have mm-hmm. actually given them a lot of time to create a good mm-hmm. bond and good relationship between us because I feel Mm -hmm. all of us are under a lot of stress. You know, we're not just working from home. We are working for the home also. So yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, coincidentally, I have not tried to do any team bonding activity. In fact, whatever little time I feel is spare, I've just let them be where they are and give their time to family or whatever housework they. Nice.
0: That's a that's a that's a unique one because nobody else has sort of given me this answer. That so that's, they, that's
1: why I was saying that I'm not really sure this is right, or not, <laughs> but it just felt right given the team that I have. That I just because because they're both young and uh, I know that they are with their family so they would have a lot of work to do. So which is why I've like given them time to be on their own
0: so tell me uh what will be very very hard for marketing professionals in general in the times to come
1: events 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 that's that's mm-hmm. the hardest thing because i do not personally speaking i do not think that virtual events can replace physical events I really don't think Mm -hmm. so because the fact Mm -hmm. when you enter into a set and how you experience an installation I'm not sure if you can replicate it virtually everything else in my head has an alternative but not events as such you know Uh, Mm -hmm. so I definitely feel that that um, experience how, how, how consumers experience brand how media experiences a brand I'm not really sure how that's going to shape up
0: so what and what about marketers? let's say for example if I'm passing out of college this year uh, what skills do I need to have apart from core marketing knowledge to be able to you know impress a boss impress a client and get things done I
1: See, I I mostly don't even don't think that, you know, any short term skill is ever of importance. I do feel that and I go back to the point where I started and maybe I'm overusing it. But I think it's just knowing the culture more, knowing and understanding what's happening around you more. What, what sometimes happens is sometimes some very normal things, common things, we just ignore them. But they need to be registered, like you need to take note of these. So I feel as marketeers you just need to know where is the world headed. For example, I, I can tell you for now, I'm hearing, and, and it's not a very personal opinion that I give you, but I know a lot mm-hmm. of people who have never in their life heard a podcast, a hearing to podcast, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I feel that is increasing. A lot of people who were not very fond of OTT content have started mm-hmm. uh, uh, subscribing to Netflix. Uh, so I think these, are these little things that you just need to capture, pay attention to. And then whenever you're doing uh, your marketing strategy whenever you're doing your consumer analysis you just need to be conscious of where the world is headed that's very important
0: that is okay I'm going to ask you another controversial question that may have a controversial answer what are some of the most abused and cringe inducing jargons that you've come across (laughs)
1: Um, I think the biggest jargon that I uh, come across is um, integrated marketing. I know it makes <laughs> sense in a lot of ways, but I, I yeah. find it really, um, it, it pisses me off to a certain extent because, and I know a lot of people would have an argument to saying that integrated marketing is required, but I feel that yeah. no you know even a unique channel marketing can do wonders mm. for you i think you yeah. just need to be very very sure of what the objective is and i know some of the campaigns that have happened only on instagram only on instagram but Everybody knows about them. So I I feel that integrated marketing, there was a point where it would work because the consumer demographic was demanded. But now I feel is the time where you have very clear cut filters of where you can find your audience. So the overlap Mm -hmm. should be reduced so that the expense to the company gets reduced. And I am very, very certain of that. If marketers pay more attention to it, there can be uh, uni channel marketing strategies that can work really well. And again, it's a very, very, very personal opinion. I am um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very personal so, to what I think of marketing strategies as. So
0: disclaimers to disclaimer to all the uh, people listening to this conversation. We are talking to Justine the individual, not the marketing manager yeah. at UCB. So, so can't stress that enough, okay. right, Jasleen? Right, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so tell me what is your opinion on things like AR and VR and emerging technology that apparently makes the life of a marketer easier?
1: Uh, I have mixed opinions, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. I, I feel some things have an alternate and I feel some things don't have an alternate. When we're talking about mm-hmm. a virtual reality, Yes, it can come in very handy when you're trying to uh, say do a virtual shopping tour, but if you're trying mm-hmm. to get up and close with a particular product or if you're trying to see a fit and a style, a virtual reality might not even be close to the reality, the real reality. So it's 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 a mixed bag right now because mm-hmm. uh, I think this whole era is in the nascent stage of both AR and VR. But I do feel if you really ask me, mm-hmm. my bet, I put my bet. On AR and VR. Because I do think this is going to be the future of marketing.
0: So in your opinion. Which will look the battle? Data driven marketing? Or core insights led marketing. That is dependent on core creativity.
1: See I think I would like to answer it. In a way that. When you are talking about FMCG products. Mm-hmm. I think data is always going to win. Because mm-hmm. it is working on a very very big scale. But I think when you are talking about. More value added products like more value proposition products I feel mm-hmm. the insights are going to win because see what happens is when you're talking about okay I, I'll give a very very uh, hypothetical example when you're talking about something like a Mercedes Benz you know when mm-hmm. you're talking about experience and experience comes core with some of these luxury brands some of these premium brands that's where I feel mm-hmm. insights play a huge role because uh, mm-hmm. it's higher buck that the consumers mm-hmm. are doing but with FMCG, because it's a huge scale and economies are high, I feel data will add more value. I think I'd like to answer that way.
0: So what is your take on uh, these girls and boys next door becoming influencers on these platforms like TikTok lately and then Instagrams of the world? Is there, What is your take on them?
1: See, I, I will give you, and, and this is one thing that I've been doing since last at least seven years of my career. I feel... Till the time an influencer is a content factory. It is great. Mm -hmm. Right? I Mm -hmm. mean, if I talk about, and I would take a name, uh, if I talk about someone like a Prajakta Kohli, if I talk about Mm -hmm. someone like a Sejal Kumar, Mm -hmm. these influencers are working hard on their content, you know, and when you see yeah. their content, everything, every time it's something fresh, you know, you like to watch yeah. it. But if you're talking about another influencer who does a video on how this skincare routine will give me a flawless skin, that's not going to work. Yeah. So I think yeah. influencers is going to stay, uh, which is not yeah. something that I thought five years back, but I say this today, I, influencer marketing is going to stay, but it completely depends on the content creator. You know, the content mm-hmm. has to be much more than the product. The content has to have a story. And everything that, that goes on your feed needs to tell your personality. I think if what those is- things, those ingredient ingredients are right, influencer marketing, uh, especially these influencers are going to be.
0: So what happens is on the influencer piece, a lot of these agencies like, you know, creative agencies and digital agencies will go to a client and say that, you know, for your particular business problem, here is this young girl who has a 5 million kind of a following uh and here is an idea let's marry the two and get her to be a mouthpiece for our idea for our communication that's approach a approach b is a brand like yours approaches and influences it directly and says that you know you are a young person who understands technology content community and the audience well uh what do you think should be the idea for us to uh, uh, go ahead with which of the two approaches do you think works better for you
1: See, again, I know you will say that I give you diplomatic answers, but you know, it can't be one way. There definitely can't be one way. I'll tell you why. Think of it as a a marriage between a boy and a girl. Yeah? Mm. The boy has to like the girl and the girl has to like the boy. Right. The thing is, there can't be an answer to it. It can't be one way street because you are, A, entering into the influencer's audience, right? Mm. you are entering into the influencer's audience, nobody knows that audience more than the influencer yeah mm-hmm. and if you're to- talking about the brand that the influencer has to endorse nobody knows the brand better than the brand itself so mm-hmm. i definitely say that and in fact there has to be a very fruitful and a productive communication between both the parties because there mm-hmm. is there are two personalities coming together there are two images coming together so it has to match. Mm-hmm. there is no other way.
0: and if i were to ask you to pick between the celebrity influencers let's say film stars and cricketers versus these people next door, the ones that we spoke about, which one would you prefer? And Or is it, again, both ways? No, know,
1: this is, is not both ways. See, this is based on your mm-hmm. strategy. See, if you have deep pockets to um, mm-hmm. invest into celebrities, you take celebrities, of course, you can't beat celebrities on reach. But the fact is mm-hmm. that I know some of the brands who have never taken celebrities, but they have consistently taken their influencers, spread out mm-hmm. their budget evenly through the year, and gotten great results. So I think mm-hmm. it's that these are two functions. One is function of a consistency. Because once you do a carpet bombing, carpet bombing event, and then you're silent the entire year, might mm-hmm. not work mm-hmm. for a lot of brands. You know, they keep need right. that push through the year. So for that push and to make your budgets more sustainable you try to get on influencers and celebrities. So I think it completely depends on what your budgets really look like.
0: Uh, the next question The scene, is that you know, uh, so what is your take on surrogate marketing? Uh, you know, there are a lot of categories that can't really use mainline communication channels even digital channels to promote themselves so they often just you know, come up with mineral water and they come with playing cards and they come up with funny things to promote themselves
1: so what is your take on those um see i feel at the end of the day it's all about brand recall and if you're mm-hmm. able to establish the recall without getting into a cannibalization or you know a thought cannibalization like i'll give you an example uh mm-hmm. i read this somewhere and I'm, I'm, i'll just also research and i'm not quoting it wrong but wadilal which is an ice cream company yeah mm-hmm. uh, ha- also has petrol pumps yeah oh wow i didn't know that Exactly. So the And they had mm-hmm. petrol pumps earlier than the ice creams. Okay. And people did not want to buy ice creams from them. Got this. Because they found, it, found very repulsive. So I feel till yeah. the time it only adds growth and fuel to your existing and main category, your cash cow brands. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it increases your brand recall good for you. But it should not be something that is very uh, counter to what your mainline product is, I feel.
0: So tell me, what are your favorite gadgets and what should a marketer acquaint themselves with? Like what should we invest in?
1: I actually, uh, uh, I've, the, I think the biggest, not the biggest, I would say, but uh, the most prominent investment and the recent investment I did on my AirPods. I think they have made my life easier than anything in the world. Because I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm plugged onto my AirPods. I don't even care about the wire, and I'm taking my calls day in day out. Because see, I, as a marketer, and I, am I'm, I'm very sure, I speak on behalf of all the marketers. You have yeah. plethora of calls in a day, and I think you survive yeah. on calls. Yeah. So I think it's very important for you to also uh, like I, I ensure that I'm walking when I'm doing my calls. I'm not sitting on one place. So are you walking right now? Uh, see, this is on the laptop, honestly, so I'm um, to be sitting on a one place, on a single place, yeah, but I kind of feel as a marketeer, one thing that's really increased my productivity
0: uh, has
1: been AirPods, and I'm any which way a big Apple fan, so, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: So, there was this question on Twitter, somebody had asked, some big VC had asked a question on Twitter, it said, what was that one purchase under 10,000 rupees that you made, that made your life uh, significantly better? And you'd be surprised that 80% people said AirPods.
1: I'm not surprised because I, <laughs> you know, uh, sort of, I was never the person who could have headphones on in my ears, like these earbuds in my ear. I know, I think I have funny ears, okay, that there's a weird <laughs> structure. So no headphone really grips very well. And they keep falling off. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I always had a terrible time. Till the time somebody yeah. told me that you should try AirPods. And I thought, well, yeah, it's going to be the same thing. What big deal? Yeah. They were like, no, you know, there's something about them. And yeah. they fit in my ear like a glove. I was like, oh my God, I've never had anything fit in my ear so well. So I'm yeah. not surprised. I'm a big fan of AirPods.
0: So, okay, if if you were to gift a couple of, books things tools ideas to your team each member of your team hmm. what would you what would
1: you pick i think i am um i uh, there's this hbr series uh volume mm-hmm. of books that's uh, by strategy innovation um there's this book called mindfulness i think i'm going to either give them an hbr membership or mm-hmm. i'm actually going to buy a couple of uh hb books and. Anyway. Them. I, I have huge faith on all the Harvard researchers, and I, some of their articles have really been like biblical to me. So yeah, I'm going to give that to my team.
0: Got it. So justine, uh, I'm towards the last three, four questions that I have for you. Uh, tell me, I when, I when I was researching about you to understand who you are before I could ask you questions, I realized that you are super, super active on you know LinkedIn, and when I say active, you are actually contributing to the community by you know pointing at the right articles to read asking them to find you know opportunities in, in these times so so if if i wanted to give you wanted you to give me a crash course on linkedin what are those three or four tips that i can take from you
1: i think for me linkedin has been very intuitive and i think that's where i i have an edge because i've tried to uh, incorporate my linkedin post um, uh, no sorry take inspiration of my linkedin post from whatever happens in my day-to-day life I don't really have any set strategy. I think the only strategy is that whatever happens through my day, if there's any experience that stands out, I think... um and it's professional. I think that's also one thing I do not, do not on my LinkedIn ever try to uh, put out any personal content. That's that's a big, big rule. But uh, mm-hmm. I think intuitively, if there's anything professionally that I feel strongly about that goes on my LinkedIn. I haven't really given a big brain to
0: it. If, if you were to reverse the roles and if I were to, if you were to ask me a question, what would it be? That.
1: what's that one thing what's that common thing that you found interviewing all the marketeers
0: okay uh interesting because uh, throughout their lives is something that they would look for in people so for okay. example if somebody has changed five jobs for example they would not want to uh, look at uh, a candidate that has stayed in the same industry for five years but they look at various experiences that that person has had over those last five years wow So that's learning the ability to learn continuously is what I think most people have come back uh, to me with yours is obviously a unique one creativity because I think your business requires a lot of that but for other people it was learning.
1: I actually like that perspective because I also know age old HR practices would really want to gauge you on how loyal you were to a company and how yeah. long did you spend at a company so I think that's a very refreshing perspective what you say
0: I, I think that has changed because, because most people that I've spoken to they're absolutely okay if you've spent two years with five companies over a period of ten years they want to talk about uh, a time when you failed miserably at a project it could be at Benetton, or it could be at canon or it could be at even a college for that matter
1: i actually will take this up because i'll be honest (laughs) it's taken me a long while to come to terms with this and um, i feel it's important now what happens is when you're at a leadership position everybody thinks that you've been doing things perfectly ever since you know you know everything You've never failed, and and I think that's a that's such a big misconception because uh, I did my first ever event, and that was mm-hmm. in Dubai. I'm not going to give you any more details, but I did the worst job of it, <laughs> did the worst ever job of it. I can't even tell you the kind of failures I had in that event, and I just thought that I am never going to be able to show my face to anyone after this. And I and that day I thought that you know marketing mm-hmm. is not for me. I should quit because I'm not made for it. Mm-hmm. But um, it took me a lot of years and I think it's probably after some eight years and I'm talking about it. Uh, it's also taken a lot of strength to come to terms with it that you know if you fail once it doesn't mean that you'll fail every time and you'll not be able to rise up and actually I really want to say this to everyone out there if you ever failed please do not hang on to that memory I mean hang on to the lessons of that memory but do not hang on to the embarrassment of that memory because uh, you'll obviously do a better job of it in the times to come because you've learned out of it so uh, yeah yeah, I, I miserably miserably failed and one very, very big event in my life. Uh, a physical event where there, there were people who flew from India to Dubai. And- it was a disaster event so there are going to be many such failures coming your way and that's the mm-hmm. truth i'm not sure quoting it but that's the truth because you learn as you go um i i think the fact that i've taken so long to come to terms with it um, um mm-hmm. also speaks of the volumes that how much judgment there is in the industry in a workplace and there will mm-hmm. always be so i think We just need to be strong enough to find our own power resources and our own ways of getting over it. But yeah, everybody Mm -hmm. once in a lifetime, at least once in a lifetime does encounter that big failure that, you know, becomes their go-to memory, which is fine. And you just need to get out of
0: it. it. I have two more questions. Uh, One is an easy one. One is a tough one. So I'm going to ask the tough one first. Uh, What is it that you hate about the profession of marketing,
1: I don't think there's anything that I hate in my job except the fact that I know some of my peers, marketing peers, have to sell mm-hmm. products that they will never use. Mm, nice, feel I find that a little bit of catch 22 situation because you're doing that as a profession, but you might never consume those products yourself.
0: And, absolutely, last question, Justine, I have is uh, if you were to throw open a marketing challenge to our listeners. Uh, These could be students, these could be mid-level marketing managers, agencies, whatever. What kind of, what would you want them to, you know, work on?
1: Yeah, I have a very interesting question and I'll be very upfront with you. That's like my mental exercise. So what -hmm. I I think of is, I think of these situations where there's a random merger and acquisition that's happened. Okay, Mm -hmm. I come to think of it, for example, what if tomorrow you hear uh, Netflix has been acquired by Google? Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. do you think netflix is going to do okay i think when you okay. try and marry some of these interesting brands because, the, mm-hmm. because every brand in today's day it has a very strong ideology and a personality i think you yeah. just open a creative canvas for you to think how things can possibly be you know what mm-hmm. what are the larger unseen avenues or, talk, or ways to talk to consumer so for example there there was a long time when i kept on thinking um that what if one day uh, when I was mm-hmm. in, I was back at Canon, and I used to think about it. What if one day Canon is acquired by Google? You know, what will happen? Mm-hmm. What will change? Because mm-hmm. when you think of those hypothetical situations, you just think of the facts that you mostly ignore in your day to day life. That's mm-hmm. worked for me at least. Yeah, that's nice.
0: So I call these things thought experiments. And what I typically do, the same is when I'm writing my book, no. So I try to do a lot of these thought experiments to understand that this character jungle in the jungle, for example, exactly. like, like for so that helps me at least in writing the book, but I never thought about it from, from the marketing perspective. That's nice. That's interesting. No,
1: try it. You'll be really intrigued. Yeah, nice. <laughs>
0: amazing. Cool. Thank you so much, Justine. It was great, great fun talking to you. Insane and amazing. Thank you so much. That was Justine from Bennett on. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. And please write in to us and tell us how do we improve the Marketing Connect podcast for you. You just heard the latest episode of the Marketing Connect Podcast, a show for marketeers by marketeers. The show was brought to you by C4E and The Podium.